midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Mr. Logan Stump. What's up? And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. And he is back. You're still on vacation, right? But you're you're back (laughs) on the show. Yeah. Uh, You had a whole week to cry about the results of 7-2. So we'll get your thoughts on that. It wasn't Uh, 8-2, that's all. Yeah, there you go. Best, probably the best thing you can say about the game, honestly. And uh, from a Liverpool perspective, <laughs> um, so I guess uh, let's let's catch you up, Matt. Let's catch the audience up on your thoughts. Anything on Manchester United, Tottenham six one on October fourth? Uh, hmm. It was the game itself. It was just bad defense on United's part. Um, you know, they. it's really hard to talk about it knowing what happened with Liverpool right after it because then I feel bad critiquing <laughs> them. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of the same struggles we had seen with United and their defense is just not good enough. I know, again, it's hard to speak on that with Liverpool, but just watch it. I saw most of the first half. I didn't really get to see much of the second because um, I was actually going out to get lunch. But, you know, Maguire looks awful. Uh, you know, they, Lindelof is not, I think Bailly was actually, was it Bailly playing? I think he was playing instead of him. I'm trying to remember the lineups, but. No clue. Just, <laughs> yeah. They, it, Tottenham, honestly, Tottenham's attack is really good too. I think if, if they had a, a better defense in midfield, which obviously is two thirds of the, the actual starting lineup for the most part, they would definitely be more of a title contender, but their attack is possibly one of the top ones, maybe even the top one in the Premier League at this point um, with Son and Lucas and Kane. And then you're going to bring in, uh, you're going to bring in Bale and you've got Bergwijn. They're, they're going to be good. And I think they'll be in some high scoring games. Um, but yeah, United, I know we'll talk probably about their two signings from deadline day, but I don't think even then what they did is enough and they're going to be struggling for for Champions League at this point. All right, so I know that uh, that day we were texting, you were watching the game, you're probably laughing it up at 6-1 Tottenham, and then you're like, Liverpool plays at 2-15, it's Aston Villa, you're probably feeling really good, and then Aston Villa stomped them 7-2. Your thoughts as a Liverpool fan, your perspective of this game that me and Logan did not have, 
is that you're a fan. So give us those thoughts. Um, as a fan, it was everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, just from the start, you know, four minutes in, Adrian makes a mistake um, passing off of his weak foot, which is also just moronic, really, at the, for someone who's already not much of a passer from the back like Allison is. Um, he's just not – he isn't Allison, and I think that's something that needs to change over the next four to six weeks is he has to realize he's not a world-class goalkeeper. He's a number two. He can do the job, and he did it last year. But he needs to not act as though he's a number one. And at, from there, just Liverpool looked lifeless. There was no pressing. Um, and honestly, and I, I read a lot about it too. When you play a high line and you don't press the other team, you're just going to leave openings. And I, watching the first half, I actually thought they were going to get back into it because Liverpool had a lot of good shots and Emiliano Martinez just kept saving them. And it wasn't, even in going into the second half, I felt there was a shot, but Villa had a few deflections and it was just everything went wrong. And luckily, they're getting some guys back from COVID here in a few uh, for the Derby against Everton on Saturday. So I think that'll be a big difference. But I think this was just a one off. And if anything, this could actually be, I almost think it's good for them. They needed to kind of get back into shape here. And I'm hoping that this game is what does it for them. I guess the one thing you can say is at least one of your own defenders didn't tackle your other defender uh, in the middle of the box to prevent the other defender from clearing it out. <laughs> I, I will say it's um, just, I mean, watching it like Gomez, I, the biggest issue really was the uh, left side or no, wait, no, the right side with Gomez and Trent. They, they struggled. They were the, where Villa just opened up and, you know, I know people will make jokes about Van Dyke and giving up seven goals. None of it came down his side. It was all down that right-hand side. And Matip isn't back on Saturday, but unless things change, I, I actually could see Gomez not even starting against Everton. I could see Fabinho going back there and you getting Thiago and Henderson and either Genie or um, – who's the other one? There's some reason I'm blanking here. No, 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 I'm not, because Navi Keita now has COVID-19 as well. Um, <laughs> so uh, they they really will. Um, I, I think they're going to come out swinging there, but I, I do think Liverpool on that right-hand side need to really tighten up, or you're going to see some results like this through their, throughout their defense this year. Now, you just you just let Virgil van Dijk off there pretty, pretty scot-free. Don't you remember he is like the worst offender in that certain circumstance that <laughs> that stat was that we talked about earlier this season. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> when you look at the goals, it, it's kind of crazy though, because of the seven no, goals kidding. there was, Oh no, I know. <laughs> but like, it, it is pretty crazy. If you look at those goals, I believe three, maybe even four of them were off deflections. Um, and it's just, you know, they, they played them well. And honestly, you can't really say, I, I personally believe Villa played on it as getting my words kind of like I'm not used to it. I'm a weak, I'm, I'm a weak rusty here, but uh, you have to give a lot of credit to Villa. They played really, really well. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the year, I really think Liverpool are just going to look at this as like a, a one-off game. 
All right, uh, I guess your thoughts on the Champions League draw at all. Uh, you have Atalanta, Ajax, Michelin, and Liverpool in Group D. What's your thoughts on that group before we move on to transfers? It's going to be an exciting group. I think, honestly, I, I'm really excited to see Liverpool drawn against these teams because, one, it's fresh new faces. The last few years, Liverpool group stages have been kind of bland. Uh, actually, Salzburg was probably my favorite one they drew last year because they played like a real game of, of football. <laughs> Napoli is similar to some of the teams in Spain. Napoli just kind of sat back and just tried to play really heavy defense. These four teams are going to go at each other, and it's going to be, I think, incredibly high scoring. I don't see Liverpool having much of an issue getting out of the group, even with Allison out. Um, I think it will be Liverpool and Atalanta uh, going through. I think Ajax just lost too much star power, and I think Liverpool and Atalanta are going to be the, the top two there. I would say, it, I don't know if you guys really did predictions here, but I, I honestly don't think Liverpool lose a game in the group stage. I think they do a couple of draws. Um, I think they'll draw at Atalanta, and I actually think they're going to draw at uh, Michelin. They seem to have struggles against that pot four team. They've always seemed to do that, where they end up having one really bad, weird away game that they just don't play well. Uh, the year they won it, they actually lost, I think it was 2-0 to some random team in the middle of Europe because um, they just they struggle on the road in those group stage games. They don't tend to win many of them. So I think Liverpool win four and, and draw two of those with it being Atalanta and Midtjylland. But I'm excited. Liverpool have never played Midtjylland. They've never played Atalanta, and they haven't played Ajax since 1966. So it's, it's a lot of fresh faces, and I really wish fans could be at those games because it sounds like Liverpool – even the writers are, are a little bit sad that they can't go because this is brand new for all of them. You know what that tells me, Logan? That tells me that Matt did not listen to the episode, if he didn't know if we made permit I've predictions been a or not. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, a little busy. So, so I yes, I did make a prediction. I said Michelin's going to win 10-2 to 2 over Liverpool uh, at Anfield. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only because Van Dyke's the worst defender in the whole league. Yeah, yeah, he creates the most errors in the last five years of the Premier League, whatever that stat was. Um, I don't think any of those goals were on him. <laughs> I'm sticking to my sticking to my guns there. Uh, it's it's fun trolling Liverpool fans right now. Okay, uh, let's get into the Premier League as a refresher for everybody. The current top four since we had a week off on international duty is Everton with 12 points, seven goal differential. Aston Villa in second with nine points with a nine-goal differential. They've only played three games. Leicester City with nine points on a five-goal differential. And Arsenal in fourth with nine points on a three-goal differential. The current relegation is Fulham in 20th place. Uh, zero points minus eight-goal differential. Sorry for the chuckle there, Fulham fans. Uh, Sheffield United, 19th place, zero points and minus five-goal differential. Burnley in 18th place. Uh, zero points, minus five gold differential. The current golden boot standings is Calvert-Lewin with six and Sun with six. Um, so let's get into some of these transfers that happened on transfer deadline day. We're only going to highlight a few of these. Uh, there wasn't that many big signings, but we have Manchester United signed Edison Cavani on a free and Alex Tellez uh, from... Portugal, I believe he was on Porto. Uh, it doesn't 
state it here. I should have. I believe it was yeah, Porto. I think he was He's their Porto. penalty penalty shot taker. Yeah, yeah. He is. I'm really yeah, worried. He hurt himself when he when he got took a penalty the one time. I'm kind of worried that they're going to sign James Milner from Liverpool since he's their penalty taker. They just want all the penalty takers. Uh, some of them have some options. You know? They just want options when they get their million penalties. They're like, you know what, Bruno, you've gone enough right now. We'll we'll put Tellez in and then we'll get Ronaldo in there. But uh, I guess, Logan, your thoughts on... Manchester United's business uh, during transfer deadline day. Matt just kind of alluded to it during his uh, Manchester United Tottenham breakdown. But what's your thoughts on Edison Cavani and Alex uh, Tellez? Yeah, so listening to some stuff to prepare for this um, this show, they're kind of in the same thought that I am. I, I feel like they're they're making signings just to fill the squad out. And besides that, uh, they're not impressive signings. I, I mean, when you go from Sancho and you're talking about Sancho and then you're talking about um, different attacking pieces that they could add and then they don't add them. And then they're like, OK, well, we got a bunch of money to spend next year. Well, then they go out and spend, you know, 40 million on kids that are, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And then you've got guys that haven't proven themselves in their own league um, and that they're going and buying. I mean, Manchester United seems to be uh, buying pieces that just fill out a roster and it looks shiny and it's just not good and it won't work. Uh, Cavani, I don't understand that. I don't see him playing much. The two kids that they signed that were 17, 18 that are coming over later, they don't really add much. Um, so I, I, when you look at United, when you look at the different teams across the league and how well everybody did in the transfer window or have done in past transfer windows. United just seems stuck in a place that's not good. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. I don't know. You know, I don't think they had anybody in the January that's worth of note, uh, especially with COVID going on. I just don't see them adding much. And the way that they're playing on defense, I don't see Tellez really playing much. Uh, I mean, not playing much, but playing well. Um, I think he plays, but I don't see where he adds anything. And I was listening to a thing that was comparing him um, to Alexander Arnold. And I, I don't see, and I saw what they saw. You just, he's not good on the dribble. He passes pretty well. He led um, that league in, uh, you know, he left Porto. Uh, he led in crosses and passes through. And, uh, you know, I see that being more beneficial than him actually on the ball. And they were talking about how United wanted somebody that was going to be good, like Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, I just don't see where they added anything uh, to be concerned about, whereas other teams added really, really good players uh, that that are really, you know, enhance their side. So I think United are in trouble. Matt, your thoughts uh, on that uh, on the transfers for Manchester United? Uh, I, I I like the I like the Tellez transfer for them. I think he he definitely is an upgrade over Shaw. Uh, just based off of what I've been reading and, and the, the the highlights I've seen, he definitely looks like he's he's an improvement. And I know it doesn't seem like he was their first choice. It looks like it was. Uh, Regulon or uh, Regulon, I'm probably saying that way wrong. Um, as he went to Tottenham, but 
you know, I, I do think he, he will help their defense. Now, is it going to be a big difference maker? Probably not too big. Um, Cause I think their issues more in the center portion of their defense. Uh, you get McGuire, Lindelof, I, if you, you put Pogba in front of them, it's just not very, not very strong, but um, Cavani just seems like it was a name. It just, it, it seems pointless. It's, I believe they signed, signed Falcao at one point. Um, when he or was yeah. Chelsea or, or did he go to both? He was on both. Yeah. So I like it. It just seems like a signing where you just a really big name, and in all reality, sorry, my brother's cat is going behind the TV. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they it just seems like they signed a big name. He's he's really not who he was, and I think if any United fan is sitting there going like, yeah, we signed Cavani. This is, this is the big signing. Then I, I think they're just kind of trying to talk themselves into a bad situation. Um, Cause he's, he's got nothing at this point. Um, but, you know, I guess they tried to appease some fans with a big name signing. I, I actually think the Cavani signing is really a good signing. Uh, I mean, I, I think they need an experienced striker up front um, other than like you know, they have they have so much youth up there, and I think like how Zlatan fit in in that club. I think Cavani can fit in up top, and uh, he's still decently young uh, for. I mean, like he's not uh, super old, um, and I I think he can. Uh, I think he can go ahead and definitely score some goals and and help them out. The issue is everybody wants defenders right now. There's just not enough quality defenders to actually go around. And it seems like even when you do, I mean, they just bought Harry Maguire for how much money. And uh, he was great at Leicester. He's not so great at Manchester United. I'm not so sure it's all about the player themselves. I think a lot of it has to be as well with the way that the team is playing and the manager themselves and the tactics that they set up. I, I I mean I I can see where you're coming from. It it's definitely they do need help on the attack. It just seems it smelt like desperation. You know they needed somebody, and I there's got to be a reason Cavani was still a free agent by the the transfer window, especially when it's this late. You know it just seems like there must be something we don't know, or maybe obviously they did their research or other teams did their research and they weren't wanting to pay him what he wants, but for for somebody to be a free agent still in this transfer window where teams are trying to find the best bargains and yet somehow he's just sitting there, I just think makes it seem like there's something that we don't know and that Cavani is just kind of not on his last like legs as a, a top soccer player, but there must be something going on there that he just doesn't have the same skill or maybe he's not he's definitely not as quick as he once was. Could he help them a little? You know, maybe he could be like a, a impact sub off the bench. But you know, I, from a standpoint of can he make a big difference for United or even a, a difference where he scores a big game-winning goal against the top six team? I just I, I'm not seeing it happening. Really? I, I don't know. I, I think Cavani is is one of the best strikers available. I mean, I I believe we talked about this at the beginning of the show, like the beginning of our podcasting. I think one of the Portugal teams was looking at him. Um, but I'm not sure what happened with that, if it fell through or, or what. 
And then uh, I know um, some MLS teams were trying to get him, but they just couldn't afford his his salary and his uh, t- to get him to come over. So, I mean, and I thought Leeds was linked to him at the beginning after they got promoted as well. But I, I'm guessing, obviously, they probably couldn't afford his wages. I think that's probably the thing that may have been the deal breaker. He's only 33. I know he's been around a while, so a lot of people think he's older. But, I mean, Zlatan was like 37 playing for Manchester United. So I think he can definitely definitely do it st- still at 33. Now, that's a young man. It's only four years older than me. But doesn't he – I mean, he comes off the bench. There's nowhere he fits. I, I don't oh, he see... can start. He'll start a few games. But yeah. how's he – I mean, who's he going to – I mean, Nemanja Matic would be – Maybe the person that goes out. I if you take Pogba out, he throws a fit, and and that's well, not he's a striker, really so you're not going to put him in any of the midfield. You're yeah, going to no, put I, him in instead of Rashford or, uh, I mean, or like uh, Martial. I mean, he's yeah. not. You could play him above Martial for sure. I don't know. I, I just don't. I'm with Matt. I don't see. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, Aguero's 32, 33, so it's that same kind of thing where it's, you know, I don't, I, Aguero can still score in the Premier League, and I don't think Cavani's going to struggle to score. I just don't see him being an integral part of their, you know, attack going forward. I just think he's too old. <laughs> 33 is not old. He's so old, though, compared to all the other strikers. I mean, when you listen to people talk about it, they're saying, you know, it, it, like when we get to party, they're talking about, you know, upper 20s being older for attackers. Like Jamie the, Jamie Vardy is 33 years yeah, old and won golden boot. Cavani Cavani scored like 18 goals and then four goals last year. Like that's a big drop off from the 30 some he was at. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think with a better team around him then uh They're he, not good though. <laughs> I I think I know I think they are good. They obviously were able good enough to beat yeah. Chelsea to top three last year. Yeah, but Chelsea's a better team this year. Tottenham's yeah, a better team. I this have year. no idea about that. Well, Chelsea's definitely a better team this year. Tottenham's a better team. Everton's a better team. I Chelsea think Chelsea has better teams. players, maybe, but I don't know yeah. if they're a better team as it stands right Start now. Start believing in your team, Jordan. Start I can't. <laughs> I can't. They haven't proved anything. Uh, I can't wait for Chelsea to win the league. Yeah, they're not they're not going to, so you can keep waiting. Um let's see here. Uh let, let's move on from Manchester United because we got we got some other ones. We got Thomas Party joining Arsenal from Atletico Madrid. Here was the fun part of this while watching Deadline Day, is that they were able to do this without even talking to Atletico Madrid. The way it works in Spain to trigger the release clause, all they had to do was send somebody from Arsenal to La Liga's offices and just say, Hey, we want to activate this release clause and then pay the money. And then uh, then Party was able to do his medical there and everything. They did not have to talk to Atletico Madrid at all. Um, but, Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, your thoughts on this Thomas Party signing for Arsenal? So are, are you saying it wasn't a very fun party for Atletico by the end of oh, the day? Oh, dear God. <laughs> Stop with the puns and give us your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to say that the moment you started talking about them. It just seemed... Oh, it just sure, seemed yeah. Uh... yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's definitely a really good... He, he's a really good uh, center mid. Um, 
you know, he, he played incredibly well against Liverpool last year in their um, knockout stage ties against Atletico. And, you know, honestly, he plays, he plays the style that Atletico plays, the gritty defense, you know, annoyingly keeping you from scoring even, and then they win and you don't even know how they did it. Um, but he'll, he'll be a big improvement for Arsenal. Their midfield is struggling. Um, I know they were also hoping to get Awar or Awar, Asim Awar. I used to know how to say it right, but, um, they definitely needed a midfielder in their team. I mean, that was their biggest issue. When you watch them play Liverpool, I know their midfield is almost non-existent. It's basically defense to offense and they just try their best to, to keep it away from them. So he's going to be a big, big part on that team. Uh, and, you know, Arteta's already got him playing well. So I think this this signing could really bring them into a top four conversation uh, with United struggling and, you know, Tottenham's defense being pretty, pretty rough. You know, Arsenal, if they if party can really stabilize that defense, I really think they could be looking at getting fourth place in the in the league here. I don't know. I mean, he's close to 30, and for you guys, that's old, and he's just not worth it. It's about as old as that damn dinosaur Isn't they he got like rid 27? of. Yeah, that's only three years away from 30. Yeah, it's upper 20s, yeah, man. But... He's on the end of his career. <laughs> yeah, that's that's prime. That is point, prime. He's in his prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just kidding. <laughs> Logan, what are your thoughts on Thomas Party? Uh, I think it's going to be a great signing. I, I really like that Arsenal made a focus of theirs to be um the, that center mid and adding people to the midfield for arsenal was something they really need to do and matt and i i think we've watched arsenal quite a bit um and jordan i don't know how much you actually have seen of them but like watching them play and matt and i, I remember texting back and forth the last time they played was just they're so underwhelming on the attack when they've got Aubameyang and they got lacazette but lacazette kind of is just there sometimes uh i think adding you know party into that you add a midfielder that's going to be aggressive, that's going to get you the ball back, that's going to you know get in the face and press uh, any of the midfielders of the other side, and then take that ball and go off running with Aubameyang up front, running out. Uh, I think that they needed to add a center center mid. I think they were waiting on Awar to be uh, available to them. I don't think Leon was ready to give up on him quite yet. Uh, I do think eventually they do, obviously, because I think that he just brings in so much money. But I, I really do. I like the party signing as well. And I think you'll see Arteta go back more towards that traditional um, way of playing where he's able to play four in the back uh, with when Tierney comes back. And I think that, you know, adding party shores up that defense uh, that tend to struggle. Um, but they played well with that back three. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see tactically what, you know, which formation he goes with. But I really do like the way. And Jordan, I think that you were great in picking Arsenal to be a surprise this year because, like Matt said, I think that they really do challenge for top four now. Yeah, I'm just reading some of his stats here. In last season's Champions League, Party has averaged 3.6 tackles a game and 1.5 interceptions. Um, in the attack, you would also make 1.6 key passes and complete two dribbles per 90 minutes. Uh, which, uh, so he's, you know, he's pretty much the classic box to box midfielder. And it even says here, all of those qualities were on show as he dominated Liverpool's midfield during the one nil victory, uh, in February. So it looks like Arsenal might be winning more games against Liverpool, Matt. 
seeming like it might be a real party now for Arsenal. These days. <laughs> oh, come off it. Come off it. Yeah, you know what? On, we're gonna leave. Easy. We're gonna <laughs> leave Thomas' party now. We're gonna move on to some other people, so we don't have to hear Matt's puns. Uh, Fulham sign Loftus Cheek on loan from uh, Chelsea. They also get Adara uh, Adara B B O U. Oh, okay. Oh, thank God, one of you knew it because it's Tosin Adarabio. He's <laughs> from City. That's the only reason I know it. Okay, and Anderson. That one was easy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Loftus cheek by the way this thing almost fell through i think uh he's on like a hundred thousand a week wages i mean he has barely done anything for chelsea i just don't get why he's so expensive uh it's just because you know he was uh he was kind of talked up as a youth and to keep him i think we had to sign him to a big deal um uh, Logan, has this moved the needle for Fulham at all and Scott Parker's side? Do they uh, have any chance of staying up by signing Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, your city boy, and Anderson? <laughs> I'm not butchering that last name again. Yeah. Uh, I think it moves the needle um, once they do get relegated because I think they're both or, uh, the both of them and then Anderson are uh, good signings for a championship-level team. But no, they, they don't go anywhere in the Premier League. I think they stay in 20 and don't move at all. Uh, I, <laughs> they are the worst premier side that I've seen in a long time. I mean, they're just so dull to watch, and I don't think this adds anything. I do. I will say, Adarabio, the reason, you know, or the fact that we got only $3 million for him is, that, I mean, Fulham ripped us off because he, he, I mean, I think you could have sold him for $10 million at least. Um, so they gypped us, but... And they were as actually talk about him getting chances in City's defense before uh, Garcia, um, or as Garcia is wanting to leave, which is our other youth. But no, this doesn't move any kind of needle for them. Matt, are you in agreement here with that? Yeah, I, I, I haven't really seen Loftus Cheek play, and I, I know he's a pretty big name, but from everything I was reading. He's been just incredibly underwhelming in Chelsea's team. And, you know, I, again, like you, they make these signings here and it's just, you don't look at them and go, wow, that's going to, that's really going to get you out of that bottom three that, you know, it's not, they're not intimidating. They're not, they don't look like they're going to be scoring still. And I really don't think it's helping their defense either. I, you know, they're not, they're not signing players who you look at and go, they're going to be successful. Um, and I, yeah, I, I agree with everything Logan said. There's really not much more to add. I was going to throw a pun about it being pretty cheeky that they signed Ruben off his cheek. Come on. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got to move on. Here. Somebody bring uh, him what, back. What are we trying to, uh, I, I can't wait to see what your next one's going to be for Theo Walcott here. Uh, no, Theo Walcott me. returns to Southampton. Like <laughs> uh, so Southampton, uh, is where he started. He went to Arsenal. He went to Everton. He's now back at Southampton on loan. Uh, you know, I guess now he's not really getting into the Everton team with uh, a lot of their new signings. Uh, so this could be a good move for Theo Walcott to kind of get some good playing time again and uh, not be in a team that's probably going to go down. Like Southampton looks to be pretty decent. Uh, so it's not like he's in danger there. Uh, your thoughts, Matt, uh, 
without any puns on Theo Walcott's return any. to Southampton. <laughs> um, man's fast, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going back to <laughs> that's what I know. He he's fast. That's all I remember from him. Um, if he could stay healthy, he's a solid. He's a solid signing for them. Um, playing off of off of Ings there, but you know he's at this point. I, I think you're just looking at hoping he becomes a super sub for them. Um, you know he he could definitely do a job for them to get a late goal against some teams. Be you know based off of tired legs and you know again his best attribute is his speed. Um, but sadly enough, he his next best attribute is not staying healthy. So. We'll have to see what happens on that end, but I, I think it's a solid enough signing for a team like Southampton to, you know, their goal is to remain mid-table, and you know this doesn't really make them worse, but it doesn't make them worse, but it can make them better. So I, I think it's a it's a fine signing again, not not anything spectacular, and if he stays healthy, they'll they'll really be happy with it. Um, let me think about the puns. I'll I'll, I'll come back to me and I'll see if I got one. All right, uh, Logan, uh, your your thoughts on any puns for Theo Walk? I'm just kidding. Uh, for, your thoughts hey, on whoa, the whoa, Southampton? Whoa. Your thoughts on the Southampton loan for Theo Walcott? Uh, Walcott up on on Theo here. So, um, Ooh, good think, one. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Theo, I, I love a good story, and this is a great story. It's kind of like Bale, Jordan. I can't wait to get to that, just because when we talk more about Bale coming up. In the future, uh, I do think that this rejuvenates Theo. Uh, do I think he's going to be anything crazy? No, but I do think that this re-energizes him and gets him playing because um, he just kind of sits back and doesn't do anything else for Everton besides, you know, collect some money and dust. Uh, so I think I really do. I like a good story like this. And going back to Southampton, like you said, they're playing well, so I'm excited to see what he adds. All right. Uh... Leeds bring in Ren winger Rafina. Um, I don't know much about Ren as a team, uh, but uh, it's always good to see a team like Leeds, uh, you know, just got promoted, still be adding to their team. They've kind of added, I feel like they, they've had some pretty good signings this year. They don't need as much help as like Fulham or West Brom to really stay up, but uh, probably a good indication that they're not just gonna lie there and uh, go right back down. Your thoughts, Matt, on Rafina? I have the same amount of knowledge as you do on him. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I'm thinking correctly, Ren, I believe, made the Champions League for the first time this past year. So, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm actually looking that up now but i mean to sign a player from a champions league team can't really be a bad thing uh so you know, yeah they're it, in group e yeah, yeah there was so there was know, they, they um you know they signing a player on a champions league team can't be a bad thing and leads obviously are doing what they can to really keep themselves in the top 10 which they play like they have they will uh so it's it can't be a. I really can't see it being a bad signing for them. It again, it can only really be a positive outcome. It seems like, you know, if he doesn't cut it, they sell him probably back to the French league or some other league for probably a similar amount. So, you know, again, I I can't see anything negative with this signing for them. Yeah, he's a winger. For people that don't know, he's a winger. Uh, he's made twenty eight appearances. 
for Wren, and he scored six goals um, in the league. He's made three cup appearances and scored two goals in the cup. And, um, yeah, continental. So he's made 30 appearances with seven goals in all competitions. Well, no, 36 appearances and eight goals in all competitions. Sorry. Um, that's including part of this season that's already started. Um, uh, Logan, your thoughts. Uh, it's great to see Leeds come in and, and really spend a lot of money. I mean, they're up to like some city standards here, spending all this money uh, in this transfer window, which is it's always exciting because I think Leeds, like you guys said, I, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. And I actually think they build up to be one of the more impressive sides. Just give them a couple of years, especially behind that fan base. But again, I, I really do think that Leeds, this whole transfer window, did a fantastic job. Rafina is really good from the highlights that I've watched uh, and I've heard them talk about him for like seven or eight minutes on ESPN FC, where they talked about how impressive he has been uh, and how much that's going to add to their team that already was pretty impressive on the attack, playing really well against Liverpool and then drawing against city. Uh, This side looks really, really impressive and I can't wait to see uh, those fans get back into Allen road so that they can cheer on a team that looks like they're going to be mid table this year. All right, and then Ben Godfrey joined Everton from Norwich. Um, Everton adding some more depth to their squad as they are top of the league, you know, just as uh, champions do. Um, Your thoughts, Matt, on your crosstown rivals? It was, you know, another good signing. I don't think he, I don't think he starts for them. Um, I think he is more of their third, fourth center back right now but you know Norwich had a lot of Norwich honestly had a lot of talented players for a team that pretty much couldn't do anything but beat Manchester City last year and it is kind of shocking to see how awful they played and you know they for a team to play as poorly as they did in the Premier League and then have teams sign their defensive players as possible you know starting left back Jamal Lewis or, you know, maybe he's the second choice at Everton center back at some point, but, you know, he's, he's going to get game time. It's, it shows that they did have talent and that these players are capable of playing in the premier league on teams that are expecting to stay up and, you know, even make mid table, uh, you know, lower half of the top 10. Again, it's a really good signing for them. I, I hate saying that because I don't want to, and I know Liverpool were interested in him as well as, as a third, fourth center back. Um, but yeah, he, he's a, he's a talented kid, and he he'll if he develops the way he should, you're probably looking at a guy who's a top five, top ten at worst center back really in the Premier League. It seems like. Yeah, just looking at his stats here, you know, he played about 2,600 minutes in the Premier League last year for Norwich. He captained the side a few times. He mainly plays center back as of last year, but he's also played some left back and center defensive center defensive mid. Uh, and he plays like full nineties uh, on most of the games here. Um, he did have a torn knee ligament at the around Christmas last year, but uh, since then he's even played 90 minutes since then he's been uh, decent in, in that. So um I think eventually he'll probably get some more some more playing time. I could definitely see him 
playing some more. Uh, so that's all of the transfers from deadline day. Um, did you want to talk Bale at all, Logan? I think he had something to say about Gareth Bale, or are you just talking about when he starts playing? Yeah, I was just excited to see him just start playing. I think looking at just the way that Tottenham's playing right now and the way Mourinho's got the guys playing and getting people back in on, on his side, um, I, I do think that Tottenham's going to start making a push back up to where they were a couple years ago. Uh, I do think that, you know, adding Bale in, and Jordan, I know you've talked about it before, that adding him in, he seems so happy. And I've not seen Christian Bale like that since he was at Tottenham pretty much. Um, even when he was at Real, he it was almost like artificial. And Gareth the fans, Bale. Christian sorry, Bale is Christian Batman. Bale. So yeah. Christian Bale um, is really happy because Joker is dead. Um, and no, uh, <laughs> Gareth Bale is... I've done that a couple times too today. Because I was talking to myself about him, um, Gareth Bale. Uh, he's really good at golf, but I think he's even better at soccer. And I think that once he gets back in at Tottenham Hotspur, I think that it, it, they'll show you how good he really is and still can be. Yes, Gareth Bale is not to be confused with the other Englishman, Christian Bale. Well, he might. Uh, <laughs> Uh, actually, Gareth Bale's not English anyway, so that didn't make any sense. But I was trying to connect with him, <laughs> all right? Thank you. Uh, but let's get, I, was, I was trying to say why why is Logan confused here and trying to put a link, but there's really no link. Okay, so uh, let's get into this proposed, uh, what is it, Project Big Picture that they're calling it here, that Liverpool's Fenway Sports owners yeah. have put together to try to ruin the Premier League. Uh, let's, let's okay, go through geez. it real quick. <laughs> let's go through it real quick. And then we'll talk about what we like, what we don't like. So right now the premier league is governed by one club, one vote rule, which means each club has one vote done. What the big picture is trying to do project, big picture, hence, uh, through, um, Fenway Sports Group, and backed by the Glazers of Manchester United as well. Uh, the one thing they can agree on, I guess, is they want more money. Uh, so what this would do is give the big six of Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City, Chelsea, and then the three other uh, longest-serving teams in the Premier League, Everton, Southampton, and West Ham, they would they would have more vote power so more almost like where their vote counts more than as just being one club and the changes would need the votes of just six of these clubs to be voted in so let's let's start with that uh let's start with that before we move to anything else uh matt uh your thoughts on changing it so these top six clubs can make all the rule changes and all of the changes to the Premier League here for or against it? Against it. I, I hate it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm almost kind of sad Liverpool are, are part of a driving force for this. Um, yeah, the main force. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It really saddens me, but I it just doesn't seem like a good move because as you know, I, I've read and you can even kind of determine it. 
they're basically making it where these teams are controlling the Premier League at this point. You're not going to see – they could easily sit there and go, we don't want you know New, uh, Newcastle to be bought by a, a some Middle Eastern business billionaire who can turn them into another force and ruin our top six. You know, they – it just it's it's gonna it's such a bad idea. It makes it to where these teams are controlling the league, and I don't think I, I really don't see why any team outside of the top six would want or even vote for this. You know, it just doesn't seem like something they would want to look at. And I, yeah, I I don't really have many other words other than I just I really don't. That might be one of my that might be my least favorite part of the entire proposal is this voting aspect of it. I just. It really saddens me. Yeah, Logan, before we get to you, what Matt was referring to there is the fact that they are able to also veto clubs being bought. I know that you studied this Newcastle thing pretty pretty well ahead of time. I guess the main difference here is that that was already turned down by the Premier League, but the sense being that they could turn down any other person from buying a club because of that right they can say you know if you're the top six and you have all the money you don't you could reject somebody from buying uh let's say fulham who's still in there right now uh they won't be by the time any of this would take effect but let's just say they will right let's just say fulham you know a club that's no real threat to anybody right now but then you know mr manchester city's brother wants to (laughs) You know, the, the Sheik uh, uh, from Qatar or whatever they're from, uh, they want to buy Fulham as well. One of the, you know, somebody from another country wants to buy Fulham. These six clubs could turn it down. And then they could uh, just stay having kind of the most power. Uh, your thoughts, Logan, on this vote part here. I can't stand it. It's like the big teams would be getting together and going, we're kind of threatened by the fact that there's another couple teams out there that could make that jump and make this league even more competitive where we're not getting all that revenue that we normally get from all these people that are jumping ship. Like it's almost feels like they're cornering the little teams and going, good luck. Like we're going to vote in everything that would benefit us. And this would be like going back to, and I know I think Liverpool was actually on the side of keeping five subs where it was like, you could implement that rule and absolutely destroy the smaller clubs because they can't keep up with the depth of the big six. Like that's just not fair to anybody. And to tell teams like Newcastle who really do deserve the chance now because they were told, Hey, we're going to have this, you know, the, the King of Saudi Arabia come in and the Saudis and he was going to buy the club and pump like billions of dollars into this club and bring them to the you know promised land again and there'd be seven like big seven which ultimately i think that would even be more fun for them and west ham i know they've had some battles with their owners and trying to get new ownership so like there's more teams i think and there's more money coming to these english football teams and they're trying to pass it off like there's a big problem with this you know financial crisis that's going on because of covid when you know Once the dust dust settles, it will eventually come back, just like it always has. You know, the economy's always bounced its back, and the Premier League is becoming more popular by the minute. Um, I mean, it's the most watched sport, um, and I think it's the most watched league, actually. Um, It pumps in so much money, and you're going to get more money, I think, from the U.S., because the U.S. is becoming really good now. 
um, in their own domestic teams and the national team. So I think that having these six clubs just rule over is just not a good look for the Premier League. And it's really not a good look for Liverpool and Man United to join forces and go, hey, yeah, well, this is a good idea. Because if the other four don't, then they're going to have that constant struggle and it's just going to become kind of a nuisance, honestly. Yeah, for people that don't know, I know that they said that I think Chelsea and Arsenal are also looking at this as a viable um, solution. That they're that it's picking up steam among these six, which makes sense because they're like, oh, we get more power. Uh, sure, yeah. Like who who would turn that down? My problem with this is that the the Premier League is so much fun because it is competitive, and it's competitive because you have all these monies going to the same you know directing to each team and they can bring in their uh you know they can bring in people uh you know better players now and what if they were to limit anything like that due to having all the power it actually would kill the league not like kill it but like it wouldn't be as entertaining if it goes back to just like man you chelsea City running away with the league every year that's that's no fun uh that that's not fun at all so the fact is that and that's what people don't seem to understand either I think some people that probably look at this is that Liverpool and Manchester United don't care about competitiveness right if it gets them more money and it gets them more control then they probably win more titles which then gives them more money which then keeps you know keeps the control in their hands and that's all they worry about it's all it's just business to these owners really um let's talk about the next bit here um so if this were to happen like you were talking about with covid uh the premier league would give 25 percent of its annual revenue to efl clubs as well as gifting 250 million pounds to the league right away and a form and a further 100 million pounds to the FA. This is supposed to be relief to help during the pandemic, which, you know, it's funny is when I got this notification, this is what was the headline, right? Is that like Liverpool and United come together to try to save the smaller clubs. It's kind of the headline I got, right? And I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. And then you read it and you're like, oh, okay. This is what they're sticking in here, is my view, to make the EFL more like, okay, that sounds good. You know, right? Like, it's almost like a bait and switch, almost. We give you this. Oh, and then guess what? We get everything else that we already wanted anyway. Uh, when really they should just be giving the money to the clubs, either the FA or the Premier League or the clubs themselves should be giving some money to these lower league teams to help during this time without, um, you know, the, the frustrating thing is, too, you know, we had just had Gunnar Soros, who was cut uh, because Arsenal says they can't afford it. Then they go out and pay forty five million for Thomas Party and uh now Mesut Urzel has to step up and say, you know what? I'll I'll pay for Gunnar Soros the whole time that I'm still part of this club. He's going to be leaving the club next year, so uh, it really only saves Gunnar Soros for like a year. Um, 
But uh, Matt, do you think this is a sneaky way for them to try to get these lower teams on their side to push this through? Uh, because that that's my feel on it. And, and the way that it was worded and headlined made me feel like that's what they were trying to spin it as. I'm sorry, I think I missed something. So they were trying to spin it as... Yeah, I mean, like, that, uh, you know, that they're benefiting the lower leagues by giving them this money during the pandemic so that way they oh, can yeah, leverage yeah. that for the more power. Yeah, I mean, well, that was actually one of the first things that, you know, I, I did see also with it was when you see the money that they are giving these lower leagues in these situations, it definitely seems like a, it does seem like it's there to benefit, to benefit the, you know, championship league one, league two. And, you know, in a way, whether or not we, and they end up with another shutdown or, you know, the, you know, football stops for a, a second time, you could be running into situations where a lot of those teams could end up dissolved just due to the finance issues. And they are looking at ways to try to save the lower teams but at the same time, you know, I think they're trying to use that as a way to coat, to almost sugarcoat the, once you get to the Premier League, though, we're going to pretty much screw you over. So it's like, you know, as long as you stay bad enough to not be in the top tier, you're going to get some additional funds. And, you know, you'll be able to, if there's a situation where you need it, you have the money, you'll get that from us. But the moment you get to the Premier League, these sock, these top six teams are going to make sure they do everything in their power to to not give you anything else. And it definitely seems like that's a, a way for them to try to push it through. Um, but, you know, it's, they're trying to, it's, I'm not trying to think of the best way to say it, but it just seems like while that would benefit a lot of teams in these leagues, I just, I, again, at the end, it just seems like it's really messing up messing with them once they get to the Premier League if that's something they're going for. Yeah, and here's one thing I think that will hurt it as well and hurt the lower clubs uh, is that in this plan, they would remove the Community Shield and remove the, uh, the EFL Cup. Now, there's also a contingency where they could keep those but limit the european teams like teams that qualify for europe not making it into those but let's say fans I, are back I don't mind that. well let's say let's say fans are back right let's say fans are back and uh a small team or a team in the championship or league one get liverpool at their home right at the lower team's home that's usually a big money driver for gate receipts because not only like let's say liverpool fans might go but the the people around that stadium might say oh this is my chance to see liverpool play at my local stadium and they go and that's a big draw now if you limit the chances of that because of the european competitions or whatever then it's going to hurt those small clubs in that instance um or you know even just like uh if they kept the cup uh, that you wouldn't get the big teams ever. And if they keep the cup, if they get rid of the cup, then there's no like prize money. If that team were to make a run or, you know, get far, cause it's not just prize money for winning. It's, it's prize money for how far you get in each stage that could potentially have helped them during that time. 
Yeah, and even in like, I mean, I know, I know, from playing FIFA, it, you get money even when you lose the competitions because you're getting some of that money. One that's made off of TV, one that's made off of ad revenue, and different things like that. Um, and I know they've talked about the parachute payments, and I know they've talked about scrapping those. You're really just screwing the little clubs out of money at every turn possible. Not to mention, you're never going to bring in players that are any what adequate that fans want to get behind because they know the bigger clubs are just. And this is going to make the transfer market even worse for the smaller clubs. They're just the big clubs are just going to pluck anybody they want out of the sky. I could see them changing the rules to make it five subs to where then you're buying. You know, you got two whole teams basically between the top six, and you're just giving these little teams just a glimmer of hope. And you're cutting down the number of spots in the Premier League. So, like, you're taking all these competitions away where one of these teams can make a run. You're cutting out one of these competitions where they can bring people into the stands. I mean, you're just (laughs) – you're. I think you're hurting them. You know, if you want to adopt a team, then, hell, City can adopt a team. Liverpool can have a team. And they'll just feed them the money that they're making right now. And then we can even – we just forget this plan. If they want to help them so much, it seems like Liverpool and, you know, Man United want to help so much. Maybe they should just give a donation to these big – these smaller clubs that need it. Like, I I don't get – this is just a huge – you know, facade right in front of we're just trying to rip the hell out of you and good luck to you. And let's talk about, like we said with the EFL, another thing this changes is the tournament structure in which uh, there would be, so there would still be two automatic promotion places for championship clubs. And then the third, fourth and fifth place clubs would play compete in a playoff tournament with the 16th place Premier League clubs, because remember what we just talked about too, uh, which we didn't bring up here yet, is that they would limit the Premier League from 20 teams to 18 teams. So uh, so now the 16th place team would be relegated if they lose this playoff against the three other championship clubs. So one thing this does here, one, this hurts the championship club that would Uh, get in sixth place they would usually have a shot right so that's another lower team that's getting nothing Uh, you're gonna have less teams in the premier league which means there's two more teams now that are not getting the premier league money they're now down in league uh they're down the pyramid further uh so that hurts them too whoever those two teams will will be and then you get the 16th place team that's typically safe in the Premier League is now dragged into relegation and now has to play an additional maybe four. Uh, how many games would that be? I guess two legs and then additional three or three four games um, yeah. that they have to play after a game after, uh, you know, a season in the Premier League. To me, I, I don't know. This all just, why are we messing around with what works right now? The only thing that's not making this work right now is the pandemic. None of this stuff has anything to do with, like, it's not like this was broken beforehand. It's like they're trying to fix something that's not broken, but then throwing in, oh, it's COVID relief as kind of like some sort of, prize i don't know but uh matt your thoughts on the changes to the playoff structure removing two teams from the premier league and that whole mess 
again, it's it's a terrible. It, it's really terrible. It's not only are you doing that, you're removing two teams from the Premier League, and then eventually, as you go down that pyramid, you're removing two teams from the EFL. Yes, you're, they're going to be into the you know fifth tier non football league style uh, football, and it's just it it it's. I really like how it's structured and something that's really cool. I, I think about European football is that every league has its own thing. You know, you get the team, you get the premier league with, you know, three relegated top two promoted, and then you get four teams playing against each other for the next one. This almost kind of brings them more into like a Bundesliga where, you know, the 16th team faces, I believe they face the third place team in Bundesliga two. And, you know, they kind of battle it out on a playoff basis. And it's just like you're, again, they're trying to find a way. I, they are masking this as COVID relief, like you said, Jordan. And they're trying to almost make it to where that COVID relief goes. We're screwing everybody else up. And I, you know, it's just not, it's not a good idea. It's, I, I don't want to see it. Logan, your thoughts on removing two teams from the Premier League and changing the tournament structure for promotion? Well, if I never have to see Fulham again, I'll be happy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, but I do <laughs> Don't think... Don't bring like, them into this. <laughs> Scott Parker deserves They would better. get relegated immediately. They're probably <laughs> two that they're like, we don't need. Yeah, they'd be like, they gotta go. They, they've gotta go. Uh, they make pointless signings. No, the... The thing that I don't like is the fact that uh, you're taking away teams that are competitive and they always brag about the Premier League being the most competitive from top to bottom. You have teams every week that could beat each other from one to 20. And that's exciting because that's that's adding and that never used to be, you know, it's had its years where that never used to exist. You could have never had Leicester jump all the way up where they were. Logan, it's actually z- one through nineteen because Fulham can't beat anybody. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Fulham fans. <laughs> oh god, they're gonna hate us. Uh, and they're a big fan base too, from what I've seen. Um, yeah, but, especially here in America. <laughs> we so, can't pander to everybody. No, you can't really. But I mean, I guess we can leave them out. So um, we're just mad that Brentford didn't make it. Uh, I, I just don't get why you would add more of a headache to the smaller teams that are already having a really tough time competing against the bigger teams that can spend billions of dollars on defenders like City. And to add in, hey, you don't have any say in any kind of things that are going on, rules, you know, financials, if City and them wanted to, you know, pump more money, which they probably would make more money off of this, then that's just not, you're going to have that gap again where it's like all these big teams just smash the little teams. It's kind of like college football. So what it sounds like it's headed towards is these big conferences only play the little teams just so the little team can get TV money. And then they send them on their way and say, good luck. It's so much better this way. 20 teams, you know, bottom three relegated, bring up the championship clubs let them enjoy the success of the Premier League and the money that's going to come from that. And I think that if you really had problems with these smaller teams struggling to make money, they would be on board with this plan. But it doesn't sound like any of them have come out and said, yeah, that's a great idea. Come save us. So you're looking at these six clubs saying you're just trying to be a savior in a situation that doesn't need to be saved. I don't get it. I hate it. 
I hope it doesn't get any kind of traction going forward. It doesn't sound like it will. So Premier League uh, said the Premier League came out and said that in the Premier League's view, a number of the individual proposals in the plan published today or whatever day it was published, which was Saturday, I think, could have a damaging impact on the whole game. And we are disappointed to see that Rick Perry, the chairman of the EFL, has given his on the record support. The Premier League has been working in good faith with its clubs and the EFL to seek a resolution to the requirement for COVID rescue funding. This work will continue. So here's what Perry said as well. What do we do? Leave it exactly as it is and allow smaller clubs to wither? Or should we do something about it? You can't do something about it without something changing. And the view of our clubs is if the big six get some benefits, the 72 also do, we're up for it. Uh, 72 meaning the other 72 clubs in the EFL. Um, to me, again, this doesn't have anything to do with... So none this of this has premier. to do with allowing the yeah. smaller clubs to wither at all. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is changes to the pyramid to benefit the top six teams and then also pay relief funding for COVID. Just have the Premier League pay relief funding to the EFL as it is. Because it's in their best interest for the EFL to continue what they're doing, so that way they can provide good talent that the Premier League teams swipe away, and teams and historical clubs that come up into the Premier League structure that get more eyeballs in those regions of the world or in uh, England as itself. So uh, I guess last thoughts on this, Logan. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate the fact that there's six clubs out of the 72 that exist that are trying to determine that this is a good plan. And then, you know, the fact that what what would happen, what, like, let's say, for instance, the Premier League does let this gain traction. What stops the other 14 in the Premier League and then the rest of the club saying, you know what? No, we're not part of this anymore. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And they go and do their own thing. And the other six just play against each other. Like I, I what stops them? Well, at that there was point? always talk of that. Not yeah. that the six would do it on their own. What the six would right. do is then team up with Barca, Bayern, yeah, Real one of those and create European a super league. Yeah. yeah. Which I really hate. And there's always talk. And there's one person I listen to a podcast that believes in the next 10 you years. hate it, it because Man City can never beat it. Shut up, teams. Matthew. Exactly. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> That's exactly why I hate it. Because we can't beat anybody in Europe. If we if we leave Manchester, we can't beat anybody competitive. Um, it, it just... But, but seriously, I couldn't... I could not sleep at night knowing that those poor little, you know, Newcastles, which I love and adore now, uh, I might as well just become a Newcastle fan because maybe they can beat somebody in Europe eventually when they get big buyers. But, you know, I hate the fact that I'm looking at Liverpool and Man United and Chelsea and Spurs, and they're all on board with, hey, you know what, let's just strip everybody of power because we want more money in the long run. Matt, your last thoughts, any other thoughts before we move on? Uh, not really. It's. I don't think it's going to go through because it, it really is just a power grab of these top six teams. Um, just, I, I can't see how anyone besides those top six teams can really support this 
because it's 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 really screwing over everybody else. And even though it looks like it might not be screwing over everybody else, it it is based off of just what between just the funding they're getting, which obviously would be good for those teams. But again, you know, you're not helping them once they get to the Premier League. You're never going to see them. You you aren't going to see a team like a you know you wouldn't even see a team like a Sheffield come up and kind of surprise people you wouldn't really see a Leeds team come up and surprise people or even if they did for one year they're not going to be able to do it for multiple because they're never going to get the funds once they're at the top tier and so they it's it's something that just needs to really be squashed at this point and start just continue with what works and keep what's happening because right now there's nothing wrong with the Premier League and you're seeing it this year with Villa and Everton I know it's only four games in but you know, they look like they, they could really do some damage to some teams. And it, it's going to be a pretty fun year in the Premier League. And I don't know why even a fan would look at this and go, why would we want a, league, a season like this season to possibly never happen? You might, you would never see a season where Leicester, or Leicester wins. You would never see a season where Everton look dominant to, to, you know, who knows how long they look dominant, but they, they look really good right now. You won't see that. And I just can't see anyone supporting that at that point besides these top six teams. Yeah, Mark Ogden of uh, of ESPN just released an article. Uh, the headline, if anybody wants to look at it, is called uh, Project Big Picture is an Attempted Power Grab by Liverpool, Man United, and Premier League's Elite. Uh, so just some more information in here. Is that, uh, and as he asks, while right now it may be in the best interest with like the money and everything, who's to say once they get the power, would those top six still act in the interest of the entire pyramid? The answer is probably no. Uh, the answer is probably no to that. Um, uh, also, Boris Johnson, from the prime minister, came out and said that this is exactly the type of backroom dealing that undermines trust in football's governance. And uh, Mark Ogden says it is still difficult to imagine the likes of Leeds, Newcastle, and Aston Villa voting for something that would do nothing for them at all. So, yeah, probably not going to go through. (laughs) Kind of shocked I'm agreeing with the British Prime Minister before I would agree anything with the United States President. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get into our previews. But before we do, a quick break. Hello, we'll be right back to more soccer talk. But first, you guys a fan of NBC's Superstore? It's a great comedy created by Justin Spitzer who wrote for, guess what? One of the biggest shows of all time, The Office. And he has a show that's all about working in retail. Uh, Superstore is based at a store called Cloud9, which is sort of like a Walmart superstore. But guess what? I have a podcast about it. It's called The Break Room. Me, myself, Jordan Wiegand, breaks down every episode with my fantastic co-hosts, Casey McGeorge and Aylan Rowland, and sometimes DJ Unlio, uh, who edits and produces the podcast. We have great cast interviews as well. We've gotten the great Colton Dunn on our show, who plays Garrett. We have had Danny Gura, who plays Elias. We have had Kelly Schumann, who has played Justine fantastically. We've had Amir Karangi, who has played Saeed. 
We have had some great guests uh, on our show. We're hoping to have some more eventually. But the new season of Superstore starts on, I believe, October 29th on NBC, and we will be breaking it down episode by episode as they air all on The Break Room. Just search us on your Apple podcast. We are on pretty much anywhere where podcasts are available. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And we're back from our break. That, that was a nice long break. Okay, um, let's get into it. Previewing Saturday, October 17th, 2020 games. The first one, 7.30 a.m. on Saturday Eastern Time is Everton versus Liverpool. And uh, it's going to be a big game. Top of the league, Everton facing some mid-table team called Liverpool. Uh, let's get into God, the next game, 10, a, 10 a.m. game, oh. Chelsea versus Southampton. Uh, then we have Manchester City versus Arsenal at 12.30. And then we have Newcastle versus Manchester United at 3 o'clock. So, fun fact, all three of our teams play on the same day this week. This is pretty exciting. Uh, but okay. let's let's get some – the random game – I chose for predictions on Saturday is, of course, the big Merseyside Derby, Everton versus Liverpool. Logan, who do you have? Ah, oh, this is going to be a great game. I can't wait to wake up and watch this and drink some coffee and enjoy my Saturday on my new couch. Uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool. Oh, you got your and, new couch? Yeah, we got our Sorry. new couch. Yeah, soon. Uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool. I think. Finally, all these guys coming back from COVID, I think they're able to piece together a formidable side. I don't think Everton's quite ready for the big stage yet. Yes, I know they've won their first four. I don't think they stay atop very long, and I don't think they actually stay top four very long. I think Arsenal added some pieces that they needed to add that made them better. I think Everton, you do see kind of a downtrend as they play some of the bigger clubs. I don't see them playing well against Liverpool, and Matt can speak to it. I don't know how long it's been um, since Everton's had any kind of real success against Liverpool for consecutive years, but I just don't see them starting it now. Consecutive years? Right. Year, not successful one. Yeah, successful year at all. Um, so I don't think it starts now. I don't think that – I think they're on a high. I think they're too high, and Liverpool is, is gladly going to flatten them to the ground. I think Liverpool wins it 3-1. All right, so you said that they're a little too high. They're like Seth Rogen, uh, just a little too high right now. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, Matt, your uh, your prediction here. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last time Everton beat Liverpool, uh, Liverpool was October of 2010. Um, now Is that I'm long ago? See- That's the last time. Is that a decade they, ago? Okay, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I, re- I remember that game, actually. Um, now, generally, at, at Goodison, it tends to end in a nil-nil draw because Everton just kind of sit back on the ball. Um, but I, I really think between the results last week, you know, it just seems like a game that Everton's going to go in thinking, this is, our, this is finally the time. You know, Liverpool get destroyed by Villa, but... In all honesty, I think that's it, it felt like the game Liverpool needed to just have everything go wrong and get those players back in the right state of mind. And combining that with Mane back, Thiago back, I think even Adrian, you know, 
he had his moments and he definitely struggled against Villa, but they they still can win with him at the back. And I think Liverpool go out there with a very attacking mind. And I think Thiago plays a big part in the game. I do think I I think it'll actually end three one as well. Um, I I think Liverpool get three goals before Everton score a consolation at the end. Um, but I just I don't think Everton are there yet to really challenge these guys. All right, I have three one as well, but I have Everton winning this one. Oh, if you oh, James hat trick. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Uh, or maybe Calvert Lewin. Uh, getting a hat trick. Let, let's. There's going to be a hat trick in this game. That is my prediction. Let me put that down. Hat trick somewhere in this game. Okay. Hat trick for Mane. Okay, I'll write that down too for you. Though. I don't know. He might still be just too exhausted from COVID. You know, he just maybe he won't get that. Um. All right. Uh, Sunday's games here. We got 7 a.m. Sheffield United versus Fulham. Time. Oh, this is actually a really good chance for Sheffield to get out of the bottom. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. They're, we've already lost every single subscriber we ever had to pull. Oh, Sheffield you know, versus Fulham, 7 o'clock. Go ahead, Matt. What were you saying? I say Sheffield, Sheffield will get some goals. This will be the game. I think, you know, Rayon Brewster and, and Fulham's amazingly awful defense, you know. It's it'll be good. Uh, nine o'clock is Crystal Palace versus Brighton. That might be a good matchup. Uh, two teams that started off pretty decent, uh, ran into some troubles against some top teams. Uh, Tottenham versus West Ham is at eleven thirty, and Leicester versus Aston Villa, a battle of the top four uh, at two fifteen on Sunday, October eighteenth. I did a prediction for this one. I have a draw that is 2-2. Logan, your predictions on Leicester versus Aston Villa. So I, uh, Leicester got smashed uh, before they head into break, and yep. Aston Villa smashes Liverpool. So this is going to be an interesting... I mean, Jordan's prediction of drawing might be the best thing. that You know, 0-0 draw would be fitting for both sides. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to say that Aston Villa looks to be more dangerous right now. I, I Grealish is playing well. Um, it just seems like when he plays well, they go just fine. And, uh, you know, signing a new contract was big for him. Um, I'm saying Villa beats Leicester. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go 2-1 Aston Villa for this one. All right, Matt. If that's your real name, give us your prediction here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think similar, actually, to the Liverpool-Everton game. I think you're looking at, again, two teams. Leicester, Leicester are the better team out of the two, even though they you know, they just dealt with their loss. And Villa comes off of a crazy win. But I think in the end, I, I think that's why Leicester, they're going to be coming in a little bit more hungry here. And Villa might be just a little bit too... You know they're they're gonna be a little bit too you know high on their win, and I think they're in for a letdown in that scenario. So I'm I'm actually looking at Leicester winning this game also uh, three to two, with Vardy getting a couple more goals from my fantasy team. 
Uh, this is also at the King Power Stadium, which is Luster's ground too. So you know, I know there's no fans, but maybe that is some sort of basis in it. We have two Monday games: Monday, October nineteenth, twenty twenty, West Brom versus Burnley at twelve thirty, and then we have Leeds versus Wolves at three p.m. My prediction of this one was a two to one win for Leeds. Matt, who do you have? Ooh, that's a good game. Um. Hmm. I I think that you're looking at a draw here. I think you're looking at a two to uh, two two draw. Both teams are around the same talent level, really. Wolves actually, you know, Wolves are a little bit more talented, but they've been struggling. It seems like in a few of their games, but at the same time, right. I think you're going to see them score against Leeds and their very spotty defense. Um, and I think Leeds' attack is strong enough to score off the Wolves' defense, which is generally pretty strong. Uh, so I, I think you're looking at a fairly even matchup here with with a two 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 draw. All right, and uh, Logan, who do you have in Leeds versus Wolves? Yeah, so uh, Wolves seems to still be putting a team together. Uh, I know with all the deadline day uh, deals and everything that's been happening with uh, Jota leaving, um, they get Semedo in uh, in the defense. Wolves just doesn't seem to have it as together, and Leeds seems to be playing uh, some pretty good football right now. I'm going to say Leeds wins this one 2-1, just because I think that, uh, you know, Leeds attack, the way they played against City, they come on off a a pretty good game and a pretty good outing against the top team once again. um, And I think Leeds has way too much confidence right now, whereas Wolves is still trying to figure it out, so... I think this one's easy for Bielsa. And then. What was the scoreline? 2-1. Okay. All righty. So same scoreline as me. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for today. Um, again, let me just do my little plug here. If you like to know more about Americans abroad or... MLS, USL, NISA, uh, NWSL, U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, we'll have some friendlies to talk about next month, according to Sergino Dest. He let that slip today. So um, you can listen to Stateside Soccer Show. It's on the same feed that you're listening to this show on. It's just domestic-based so definitely try to catch that. I'm trying to get a guest on who actually was in the stands for one of the MLS games this weekend to kind of see what that experience was like. So hopefully maybe by next weekend I can have uh, that perspective on here. If you want to follow our Twitter, it's at Stop It Show on Twitter. You can follow the Stateside Soccer Show specific Twitter at Stateside Show. Facebook.com slash Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Email us at stoppagetimeshow at gmail.com and Instagram at stoppagetimesoccershow. We also put our predictions up there in case if you uh, don't want to have to scroll back through the episode and see who got what right and who got what wrong. uh, Logan does a nice job of posting them on Twitter and Instagram for us. Uh, Well, that about wraps us up then. That's it. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy these wonderful games. I am Jordan Wiegand. You've heard from Logan Stump and Matt Hartgrove. And have a great rest of your week. Kane has 
has stolen it to death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.